Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Stephen Green, the success doctor, welcome you to the Make the Great Podcast and thanking you for listening. I have a really exciting guest this week. I am really stoked to have John Baer on the show with me today. Uh, I've known John personally for some time. He's a, an inspirational person. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy what he has to say, and I think you're going to be motivated by his message and his story. So as you know, if you are a loyal listener and you will learn as a new listener, the podcast is really about helping students and parents take action to move your education in, in the right direction. They might be baby steps, they might be giant steps, but this is all about taking action, things you can do, maybe even in the middle of the podcast, you're gonna hit pause, go do something, or maybe at the end. And I wanna give you tools, I wanna give you ideas, and I wanna give you things to maximize your education. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited to have John on board with us today. So without any further ado, John Bear, welcome. How are you? Well, I'm wonderful, Steve. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, it is my pleasure. And uh, I, think, I think you're gonna enjoy this. I think I'm gonna enjoy it. And I know people out there listening will enjoy it. So let, let's, um, let's jump right in the deep end. So I know a little bit about your story. Uh, it, it's compelling. It's interesting. But why don't you share with uh, the, the listeners here, you know, how we kind of got to this point, you know, where you started, where you are now. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and however you want to take that. So you're on. Awesome. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening and even getting this far. Uh, my name is John Bear. I am the owner of Bear Knuckle Strength and is a coaching business where we say we change the way that life is done through mindset fitness and nutrition and my story starts about 12 years ago I lost my brother to suicide and a year later in October um, it was almost exactly a year later I lost my cousin to complications of muscular dystrophy and like Dr. Green said I jumped right in the deep end there um, I start my story from loss only to share with you the direction that's possible to go from there. So as a young child, I uh, was heavy, um, I didn't, wasn't super athletic, and I had a hard time kind of like just fitting in with people. Um, my kindergarten teacher told my mom that I was a somber child and that um, I wouldn't, I had a hard time um, dealing with other people in group classes. But uh, my focus and my ability to concentrate, she said, was second to none. It was like a bomb could go off, and I would still be so concentrated on what I d was doing. So um, fast forward, and I took that ability into, uh, as I grew up, and you know, being more of an introverted kind of kid, um, I, I needed an outlet and a place to start like growing into a young boy. And my dad had played football. And so football was something that, or well, sports in general, was something in my family that we, we watched a lot on TV, and my dad had played football, and it was something that I had aspired to. Uh, unfortunately, in 
fourth and fifth and sixth grade, they still had weighted football uh, leagues. And I was too heavy as a young kid to play football. Um, and that really, um, that hurt me on a deep level. And so I wasn't able to necessarily get the same kind of physical development in my younger years. And in seventh grade, uh, we, I moved to a middle school and there was no longer a weight limit. So I got my first shot to play football. And for the first two years, it was really great. It was fun. Um, but I didn't really play a lot. I wasn't necessarily super skilled and I wasn't athletic enough to, to get a lot of playing time. And so going into my eighth grade year, um, or excuse me, going into my ninth grade year, my coach pulled some of the, the guys he thought were going to start aside and he took us into the weight room. And after that first session, I, I couldn't sit down on the toilet for like three days, but I was, <laughs> I, I was very intrigued and, and I, too many squats, right? Exactly. Too many squats and uh, <laughs> all kinds of exercises that I, I, I had never done before. It was, you know, barbells and weights and benches. And, you know, I'm a 14-year-old kid. And, I, of course, I wanted to do this. I had the, the, te the testosterone was starting to really pump. And so, for me, it, it seemed like a really great outlet. It's just that first initial experience was kind of like, wow, this is going to take some time and some work. Um, but I wanted to play football, so, and I wanted to actually be on the field. So I decided to keep going back, even though it was hard, um, because what I wanted, um, I was able to, to get out of that hard work. And that ninth grade year, I ended up starting on the team, which was really awesome. And then the next year, I moved into the high school level. And our high school, I went to Central Bucks High School West in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and... At the time, there was a coach there named uh, Coach Mike Pettin, who, side note, his son is actually the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers currently, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah, and, if, you're not, if you're not from the Pennsylvania area, that's yeah, like a legendary. Yeah. I think he was like 112 and one or some. Oh, uh, well, Coach Pettin, Coach Pettin, uh, the senior his final record after 33 years of coaching was 326 wins, 42 losses, and four ties. So you kind of get a sense that um, he was really good at what he did. Um, and that was a system, and that was instilled in me. So I learned uh, in those 10th, 11th, and 12th grade years, um, I got stronger through the weight program. But also playing football gave me the opportunity to start to really transform myself. I was part of something bigger than myself. I was part of a group that they needed me and they needed me to do my job well because all of us together collectively were able to win if everybody was coming to the table and doing their job. And for me, I wasn't necessarily the, the best student, um, but I, again, I wanted to play football. So it was important enough for me to take the actions necessary to make sure that I was keeping my grades at a, at a high level um, or at, very, at the very least to make sure that I wasn't a detriment to my team and that I was always available and that I wasn't being suspended for academic reasons. Um, and so playing football gave me this amazing outlet and it, it showed me that I had the ability um, to, to be more than I thought I was I just didn't realize at the time how important it was to me. So about 18 years old, I graduate high school. 
football's no longer done, or excuse me, football's no longer uh, high school football. I wasn't playing anymore. But I did get recruited to play in college, and I ended up playing a year in college. And after that year, I just I realized that I don't know if I lost my pep or zest for football. I just wasn't having as much fun with it. And I also realized, you know what, I'm not going to be going professional. I didn't necessarily want to continue, and so I decided to uh, stop playing after my freshman season. And that's sort of when I had like an identity crisis, you know. Um, I identified as a football player and I identified as a student and at the time I had a girlfriend so I identified as her boyfriend and within a short time after that freshman year going into my sophomore year um, I had had we'll call it a depressive episode um, where I I was 240 pounds when I played football and within the span of about two months Steve I lost like 40 or 50 pounds um, hmm. and got down to, I don't know, it was like, like 185, 175. I, I honestly don't remember, but it was like when people saw me, they said they looked, that I looked like a ghost. And what I felt like at the time was sort of, I guess I had propped myself up, my personality up on being a football player. And when that was, when I retired, quote unquote, and that was sort of taken away from me, um, I, I went into a deep depression. And that depression led me to taking a medical withdrawal from school and basically put me in this place of, like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I felt really, really lost. I felt scared. You know, I'm 20 years old, and I have no idea the direction that my life is headed. And so I went home. And immediately I talked to my doctors and they decided to put me on antidepressants. At the time seemed like the right decision, you know, something to help me boost my spirits, um, get my brain chemistry better and hopefully allow me to, you know, go to work and, and be a productive member of society. The problem with the, the antidepressants was I personally felt that I, it, I was like desensitized. And I felt very disconnected, not only from myself, but just from reality in general. And so those years between 20 and 25, um, they were really, I would call them pretty dark years for me. Um, I was just kind of aimlessly wandering around trying to figure out what I wanted. I worked a bunch of odds and ends jobs. I worked in construction. I worked uh, in a factory Um pre-packing like Christmas orders, you know, like mail order catalogs and stuff like that. Uh, I worked in a grocery store. I worked in a restaurant. And basically what I learned was all the things that I didn't want to do in life. And so now fast forward and you kind of have like a small quick snapshot of my history there between 20 and 25 when I was lost at 25 years old, that's when my brother, uh, took his own life. He committed suicide in October of 2007. And it was the worst day of my life. And a year later, on October 30th, 2008, ironically, the day after the Phillies had won the World Series. So everybody's in amazing spirits that morning. And I got a call around 10.30 a.m. to tell me that my cousin had passed away from um, complications to muscular dystrophy. 
And it was so wild because I had been talking to my cousin. And he loved the Phillies. And I wasn't a super big baseball guy, but I started following because he was really into it. And I dug that. And I loved that he had something to look forward to. Um, it was my cousin Jim with muscular dystrophy. He spent most of his life being picked on. Uh, he walked weird. His, he had a, uh, his mouth was weird. He had like issues because muscular dystrophy affects all of your muscular functions. So mm -hmm. like when he talked, his tongue would hang out sometimes and he would get made fun of for that. And it really it was hard for him. Um, but it was harder for us to watch that. And, and the thing about Jimmy that I learned, the biggest takeaway was that kid, you know, he didn't let people bully him and get him down. And he, at least on the surface, it always seemed like didn't bug him when people bothered him. It was sort of like he was like past their ignorance. He was above it. And that was such a gift to me to see that he was able to do that despite being bullied and picked on. And so I kind of took it upon myself to be because I was a little older than Jim. So more like his older brother, but we were brothers. And then I had my younger brother, Tony and Tony, another kid, very special. Um, you know, he played football as well. And he was about five years younger than me. And he loved coming to all of our games. He was a ball boy when I played football. And he was an amazing football player himself. And just when I lost those guys, it was, I tell people, it's like I lost my pillars of strength. I have this picture of me at my prom. And right before the prom, uh, my brother and my cousin were right there with me. And I had them kind of both underneath my arms, like my arms wrapped around them. And I didn't realize when they were gone how much they propped me up. Um, my, my ego, if you will, was wrapped up in who they thought I was. And when they were gone and I didn't have them to bounce ideas off of and rely on, honestly, for my own ego, I had to start to rely um, on myself. And I didn't have the skills necessary at the time. I didn't have the coping mechanisms at the time. And so that deep, dark depression that happened after school, that, that, that I carried on for five years. And after my brother and my cousin Jim passed away, I decided that my brother had shown me the path if I wanted no pain. I could take my life and be done with all of this. Except that I wasn't ready to accept that just yet. And I felt as if I was going to, at the very least, exhaust all possibilities before making that decision. And so the first decision that I knew that I had to make was that I had to get off of these antidepressants. I had to stop masking reality and I had to start dealing with all the underlying symptoms and really the causes of those symptoms to start unraveling and unpacking my pain. It was really scary, really hard to do, except the alternative was death and I wasn't accepting that. So the thing that allowed me to start to move forward in that really dark, hard time was I remembered when I was playing football, feeling really proud of myself. I feel in control of myself. I felt strong and powerful in my body. I felt like a good person with my teammates. And so I went back to that experience and I drew on it. 
and immediately started within a month of my brother passing away I got myself back into the gym and just started to exert some of the energy uh, that I was feeling I needed a way to channel my angst and my pain mm -hmm. and I didn't want to do it through drugs I didn't want to do it through um, depression I didn't want to do it through anger I didn't want to do it through hurting other people which is what I did in my first 25 years I I was somebody who who the program that was installed in me as a youngster that's what I perpetuated into my early 20s and you know our parents do the best they can by us and at the time my parents were doing the best that they could with the knowledge they had the issue was it was limited and it taught me a lot of limiting beliefs and it taught me um, how to how to get my needs met but not in a way that was actually conducive to the way I wanted to live my life and so, uh, so John, sure, sure because you've already talked about kind of the back end right the mindset right. fitness yeah and yeah yeah there's some and I'm thinking of this from the perspective of people listening to your story and saying, okay, you know, we, we know you came out the other side because you're still here, right? Yeah. But um, was there some precipitating moment? Was there some uh, epiphany? I don't know if that's the right word to use either. But uh, it, what, it, at some point, obviously, the pendulum swung as far as it was going to go, right? And it had to start swinging back. And then you start to gain momentum in a positive way, Right. Yep. So, um, let's, let's t tell me about that side of it. Is, is, um, you know, I, I mean, one of the things, let, let me introduce this idea. John has written a, a, a tremendous book. At least I think it's tremendous. It's an easy you. read. It's not, this is not war and peace with eight gazillion characters. There <laughs> are many are in it. Uh, this, I, I would even go to say it's autobiographical, uh, uh almost like a mea culpa. Um, but, but uh, called Rise, and um, I, I'm assuming the book is essentially almost like a memoir in a sense of, of the experiences that you're talking about, having read it. Correct. Um, from the perspective of, of a parent out there who uh -huh. might look at their child and say, you know, because it, it, it does, it pains a parent to see their own kids struggle, right? Yeah. To whatever degree. You know, it may, it may be severe, it may be minor, uh, and, they're, and they're always trying to help or at least in their own mind, trying to help. And, and you touched upon that. But when somebody has to kind of pull themselves through it, whether yeah. it's academic, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, emotional, and so on, uh, in your situation, wh what do you think really, like, ultimately got you more in the positive side than, than whatever else was getting in your way? Uh, well, that's a great question. I know it's um, a heavy-duty question, but... No, that's... that's uh, and it, and that, you know what? So that leads in. That's a great segue because, yeah, I, I did come out the other side. And the thing, I, I guess, the thing that allowed me to, the, the first positive interaction when I was starting to get back into the gym, and get that energy out, um, my body started to break down again because I had injuries from football. So the thing that I started to really concentrate on was my nutrition, mm -hmm. because I felt like I needed to control something, and I, I also. It was something that I wanted to do. And so, parents, I want to make this very clear to you that if you want your kids to do something and you try to make them do it, they won't. They have to want to do it. Funny how and that So, <laughs> Yeah, right? So yeah. 
I didn't want to be told what to do. I came to – so I felt really good when I was playing football. So that's what sort of drew me back into exercise again, except when I started exercising again, I wasn't able to exercise the way that I wanted to, and I still needed to – I wanted to grow. And so learning about nutrition really helped, and I believe this will answer your question because I talk about how I was angry and not really necessarily a, a great – person as, as a kid. And again, I, I've learned from that. But as I started to change my nutrition, people started to come up to me and they're like, hey, John, you're really starting to look good. But we also notice like you're not so moody. You're not so angry. You're not so much of a jerk. What are you doing differently? That was a huge like aha for me. And the truth is I was changing my body chemistry through nutrition, right? So the better foods that I was eating, I wasn't having as much anxiety or depression. I was able to actually be productive. I was actually able to go to the gym more. I was starting to study how to learn how to train other people. And so the energy that I spent kind of feeling bad for myself or in pain or whatever, I was able now to use that in a different way. And that for me, I, I always go back to that as sort of, like you said, the pendulum swinging back the other mm -hmm. way to the positive side because other people noticed the change in me. So is it fair to say that you adopted the nutritional changes really more as a therapeutic thing physically for your body oh. so you could work out harder and more consistently and as a positive side benefit, it also improved your, your, your mental, uh, I don't know where to use mental state sounds wrong, but, sure. Sure. um, and all that because you were kind of, you know, weren't polluting your body, I guess, with things that didn't need to be yeah. in there. And, and, and so there's like a physical piece here and there's also a psychological piece. And then it just snowballs in a positive way, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, for me, I wanted to eat better to improve my workouts. I didn't realize how healing that was going to be. So I didn't seek it out as a therapeutic um, outlet because I was going to therapy at the time. Um, when I made the decision to get off antidepressants, I also made the decision to go right into therapy to learn how to do, uh, how, to learn how to cope and to learn how to manage my emotions better. Um, and one of the conditions of me getting off of my medication, my my uh, psychologist said, you need to have a different, better, positive outlet. So for me, that was going back to the gym, and then, and then the byproduct of going back to the gym was learning nutrition, which led to all of these wonderful benefits. Yeah. So let me let me ask you to address this for a second here, and then I sure. want to get into sure. your book. Is um, I think what this is coming down to, to some degree, is self discipline, right? And, and maybe, but how do we? But how do we cr create self discipline? Well, that that's what I wanted you. To, that's what I wanted asking you to talk about is is that you made a decision, which was a difficult decision, uh -huh. to turn things around. Yep. Uh, against some some difficult odds, right? Uh -huh. um, you didn't have a ton of support. You know, you didn't have like a whole team of fifteen people helping you. No. Uh, you went back to something familiar, but it wasn't the same as you uh -huh. were used to. Uh, you had to change your your eating habits, your social habits. Um, so how how you know talk you know if you could talk to yourself as a twenty year old or <laughs> could address the the fifteen, the high school, that younger kids. Yeah maybe yep. listening to the parents who want to try to advise them, uh -huh. um, you know, in your mind, you know, now being a motivational person, uh -huh. what's the, if there is an easy way, what's the secret sauce to creating this sort of self-discipline and really 
keeping with because anybody can be consistent for three days, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's doing it week in, week out, day in, day out. And the same things apply to academics. The same things apply to personal development. And the same things apply to having long-term goals, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear what your, what your feelings are about that. Wonderful segue. Um, yeah. So the truth is you, you have to make a decision. That's the first step. And I made a decision that the way that I was living my life was not no longer okay. And I was going to change the way my life was done. And so that's the hardest part for some people um, is, is actually making the decision to change. And the reason usually that most people don't make that decision is because of fear. They're afraid that the grass isn't greener on the other side, right? And the truth and what I found in my business now is the people who do make the decision and are willing to make the change, because even when you make the decision, you're going to come up against things that are tough. You're still going to have to practice, you know, as a student, you're still going to have to go and learn. And if you have a if you have a harder time with math, you're going to have to put in more time and learn math or the science or whatever subject is for you. But it all comes back to why are we doing this, right? So when you're struggling, when you're up against uh, a tough decision, when you, when you feel like you've quote unquote tried it all and you still can't change and you're frustrated, mm-hmm. the reason why your why isn't strong enough. So for me, and I say that lightly at this moment, but for me, the reason why I was ready and willing to make that change mm-hmm. And this ties into my book is basically my brother had left a, uh, well, I shouldn't say left. He had written an essay and after he passed away, I found the essay and long story short, that essay, um, which is in your book, by the it's way. in my book and I'm not going to share all of it cause I'd rather you go read it if it's really something that would be interesting to you. But the essay was my wake up call. It, it, it's what my brother thought of me at that time. And it, that horrified me. And so my why, the reason why I was able to make a decision and now for the last 15 years have been able to stick to it is because I remember the person that I was before all of this happened and I'm no longer okay with being that person. So when I come up against a hard decision or when I come up against a tough time in my life, the reason that I can continue to move forward and make decisions that keep me positive are because my why is strong enough. I do not want to be the person that let my brother down 15 years ago. And so I do the things that are necessary to make sure that me, John Bear, can show up on this podcast, can show up with my clients in the best, authentic, genuine way possible. I'm still a human. I still have days that are tough, except I'm able to put those things aside and be with people when I'm spending time with them because my why allows me to do that. And I think this is a hard thing for a lot of people to grasp and understand. So let's tie this into like your students and stuff like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why are they going to take the SAT? Most of them to get into college, right? Correct. To, to improve their future. However, if the reason why they're coming to you for tutoring is because their parents said they should, because their parents want them to get better grades, I can assure you that kid's not going to live up to the reason, to, to what 
the parents want them to do because it's not the kids why it's the parents why mm -hmm. so so when the child comes in and we can start to understand their motivations because here's the truth the the anatomy of change the first step is to get into somebody else's world and actually understand what's going on for them not what you think is going on but actually understanding what are they focusing on What's the language they use? How do they carry themselves? What's their physiology and posture like? Do they have a lot of emotions that they swing through? Are some kids angry and then they get depressed? When you start to understand those things and you really get inside their head, then you can start to understand how to actually help a kid. So if a kid is feeling bummed out because they got a bad grade on a test or something like that, why? Ask them why. Why are you so upset? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Allow them to tell you what's going on, right? Don't just assume that you know, and don't just condescend your kid and t talk to them like they don't understand what's going on. Um, something I, teenagers are interesting because they look like adults and they're starting to get into, like they grow into themselves, um, but they're still maturing emotionally. And so parents view a bigger kid or an older kid, well, they can handle it. So. Just suck it up. Just do it. Just, yeah, I don't understand why your grades suck. I want you to get better grades. Or I'll incentivize you for getting better grades. I'll give you, you know, money if you get an A or whatever. And, like, look, maybe that motivates some kids, and that's great. But think about what you're teaching that kid, right? Like, you're teaching that kid to basically be motivated by money. Um, not wrong. And if it gets a kid moving forward, okay except you as the parent now it's your you you have to give that child context and let them know that this is not the way necessarily it works in the real world but this is what we did to allow you to move forward so but again come back to the why and and parent and so okay i see this in the coaching world and young sports athletic athletics you know mom and dad think little Jimmy's going to be the next pitcher and they want him to play all these sports and do all these things. And they, they throw the kid into this stuff. And by 13 years old, the kid has to get Tommy John surgery, their burnout, and they don't want to do it anymore. And then in their adult life, they hate exercise and athletics because their parents made them do it. So you can apply that to education too. I've seen so many high achieving people who hate themselves. They do so much in the real world, quote unquote, they look successful, they are scientists, or they make a lot of money, but they're miserable people inside. And they do these achieving things because they feel like they would let their parents down if they didn't do it. Or that's just so ingrained into the way that they're knowing that they don't know how to do anything else. And the truth is, they don't know why they're doing it because it's not their why. And I'm starting to see this with my adult students is, they got out of school, they did the things their parents said to do, they went to college, they went to work, they got the job, they did all the stuff, they created a family. And now at 50 years old, they're divorced, they have this money, they have all this time, but they have no idea who they are. And so what I do is I sit down with them, and the, literally the one of the first things that I do with people on an intake or with a success session, is I ask them what their goal is. What is it that you're looking to accomplish here? And the truth is most people present with a pretty superficial goal. I want to lose 20 pounds. Awesome. I want to feel better. I want to feel better, whatever. Right. But inevitably, 
I ask why. Why do you want to lose 20 pounds? Why do you want to feel better? What does losing 20 pounds, what will, 20, what will losing 20 pounds give you? Mm-hmm. What, what, what will tw- losing 20 pounds give you that you don't have now? Why would feeling better be better for you down the road? And most people can't answer that stuff. And so I sit with them for a little bit and I dig into it. And the truth is I, I personally don't believe I can successfully coach somebody unless I know their why. There's so many programs out there, and especially in our area, Steve, very locally, that, mm-hmm. look, you can go and work out and not have to deal with any of this cerebral crap. And for six to eight weeks, let somebody beat the crap out of you, and you will get results. <laughs> but then what? Well, you're, you're not changing internally, I think, is right. what you're making, right? Right, right. You're not changing internally. And so, right, you'll get, then you'll end up in your old patterns. You'll get frustrated Eventually, because you yeah. – because you haven't tied all of this um, new behavior to a why that is sustainable. So when we come up against a logical decision to either go exercise or eat a donut, it's going to be eat the donut because it's safer, it's easier, I don't have to go to pain, right? Because that will lead you back to the way that you've been doing things prior. So if you want to change the way that you've been doing things, one is you have to make the decision that you want to change But then two is, why are you making this change? And when you come up against a hard decision, is your why strong enough to have you eat broccoli or the donut? (laughs) Right? And it it all comes back to that. That's two ends of the nutrition spectrum for sure. It really is. (laughs) But but, but your point, I completely agree with. I mean, anybody that's worked with me or any family that's worked with me, I use the word goal or, or some, some variance uh, synonym of goal five times an hour <laughs> because in academics, goals are very easy to measure. You get a grade. I got a 67. I got a 99. I mean, goals are very, very quantitative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the things you're referring to are more qualitative, how you feel, yes. what your mm-hmm. impression is. Um, I want to get back to one thing you said, and I, I want to get into sure. your book. Uh, one of the things you said, you might not even be aware of it, because I think it's so ingrained in your thinking now in a great way, is one of the things that drove you into the weight room when in, I think it was ninth grade, was your goal was greater than the effort it was going to take to do the goal. Or, yes. or I don't want to put words in your mouth. but And I thought that was really a tr- fabulous. Um, mm-hmm. And that I think you could almost substitute the word why for goal. You know, if you will, why, yes. Why is an interrogative question? goal is a noun, but they're, they're really sending the same message. Mm-hmm. Why, why do I want to do whatever? Why, why would a student want to improve themselves? Why would an adult want to improve themselves? Mm-hmm. And, and I see my role uh, as a guide. You know, I'm not, I can't tell anybody what to do any more than you can or anybody can. Right, what right. I can do is try to show them, based on what I know about them, what I know about the rest of the world, a, a, a path mm-hmm. to getting where they want to go and yes. in, in, in what we all think is a, a relatively safe an easier way to do it. Um, let's get into your book. One of the okay. things, I want to start with this discussion. First of all, the book is called Rise, R-I-S-E, one word title. It's, I don't know how many pages, but it, it's a very easy read and, and it's a very compelling read. So I'm going to go on record here as recommending and we'll plug it more towards the end of this, trying to get a hold of John and get a hold of this book. But 
one of the things I thought was really good, besides the story, besides the, um, the, the personal vulnerability that you show in the book, one of the things that's hung out to me was the six universal needs that you put out there. Yes. At the end of the book, it kind of, it's part of the catharsis of the book. I don't want to spoil, spoil <laughs> anybody, but let's get into that because this is, this sure. is positive, sure. right? So I might have them out of order, but you have certainty. Yep. Uncertainty. Correct. Um, significance, connection, uh, a growth and, um, contributing, right? Yes. Correct. And just for the record audience, I did that from memory. Yes. <laughs> yes. <enough>. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so let get get it. How did how, and, and 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 just to clear up, just in case this was not clear, John right now presently uh, runs a, a gym. Basically, it's it's a, a fitness uh -huh. center. Yeah. Uh, has a unique way of training people that incorporates a lot of this uh, personal development. Uh, maybe that's the again the perfect choice of words, but I think everybody knows the framework I'm coming with on that with the physical. Um, he's got a very loyal and very uh, following people that love what he does. Um, so let kind of tie all this together. The, 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 the six sure. universal needs, your whole uh, B-A-D-A-S-S -S concept. And, and Sure, sure. This, this is a family hour here. so Of course, <laughs> you know, of course, of course. Deal. But, um, so how'd you come to it? What's it mean? How's it fit in? How can it help people? How can it help my audience? And, and take it away. Sure, you got it. Um, well, again, great segue, Stephen. You've clearly done your homework, and hopefully, audience, you can tie all this stuff together. Usually, um, giving people homework. Today, I'm doing homework. I love it. I love it. This is we all we all have to learn, right? We that's, all keep that's part of it. Never stop learning. That's for sure. Anyway, so start start with the six needs. Quickly. Sure. So the six human needs. So how I came to those. So after I made the decision and the why, and I started moving forward in my life in the gym and learning how to train people, etc and, and uh, learn better nutrition, you know, those were parts of it. But I said earlier in the podcast that my mission with Bare Knuckle Strength is to change the way life is done through mindset, fitness, and nutrition. But if you look at how I, how I got to where I am right now, I started opposite. I went nutrition, fitness, mindset. And the reason that I say that mindset should be first and most important, and that's why I've come back to like this this whole concept of the why. In I started my business uh, about six years ago, and I was moving along. That was going great, you know, building up, meeting new people, training people, etc. So, out of all this pain, I was able to translate that into a healing space. The problem was in my own um, personal relationships and intimate relationships and emotional relationships, I was still having a lot of problems, a lot of issues. I was having um, a lot of pain with intimacy and I had relationships that ended, I would say prematurely and very, very negatively. And so that's what led me to the six human needs because I didn't understand that the actions that I were taking were meeting certain needs at a really low level. And so fast forward after about two and a half, three years ago, I came across a Tony Robbins video. Um, for those that don't know Tony Robbins, he's a self-help motivator, guru. But anyway, this video, it was really cool. He was talking to this young man who had a lisp and this young man wasn't able to um, 
get jobs because he was having a hard time with interviews and stuff like that, and he wasn't able to be who he thought he could be. Within minutes of talking with Tony Robbins, Tony asked him a series of questions. The kid stopped stuttering. He stopped with the lisp, and I was like fascinated. I was like, what in the heck just happened? Like, what did Tony just do? So Tony started to unravel that, long story short, this kid started to lisp because his dad was hurting his mom. So he learned how to divert his dad's attention through lisping instead of uh, his dad yelling at his mom. Now his dad would come and talk to him. So the need was he started getting certainty from his dad when he lisped and he carried that all the way through life. So Tony helped him unravel that and he showed him that you don't have to continue perpetuating this thing that you made up as a kid. You can actually meet that need in a better way as an adult to serve the person that you're supposed to be, not the person you thought you were supposed to be based on the programming that your parents taught you. So let me break that down. So certainty, when Tony's world, certainty is to gain pleasure or avoid pain. Some people take drugs to gain certainty. They know that they're going to get high and they don't have to deal with reality right now. Some people exercise to get certainty because they know they'll get the same high when they work out. It's just a different change in physiology. So think of it that way. The next need you mentioned was for uncertainty or variety. You know, And these words are interchangeable too, folks. So if I say certainty and you hear safety or security, great, that's your word for it. No problem. It's not uh, universal to the word and the nomenclature, but rather the concept. Uncertainty is, you know, yes, we want to feel safe and secure, but we also want to have fun. We want new experiences. We want to do things. People can take drugs for uncertainty because guess what? Every high is different. People can do different exercises for uncertainty because guess what? Exercises is different. So different ways to meet the same need. Significance. Everybody wants to feel important, unique, needed, Parents want to feel that with their kids, right? So they want to help their kid get better grades because it makes them feel better. Not wrong. Just understand that you're meeting your need, not your kid's need, right? Some way to look at that. A kid might get significance by crying or by being a bully because at least somebody's paying attention to them. So again, you can look at how they're getting their needs met. Um, love, connection. All of us want connection, especially social connection. We've talked about it here. Uh, that's what my gym is about. In truth, I want my gym to be the best part of my client's day that isn't spent at home. So it's a community they look coming forward to. They connect with other like-minded people who are working through similar things and processing and working hard, but they feel like they're a part of that, something bigger than themselves. So we all want connection in life, um, and we all hope and strive for love. The truth is love is a tough one because in a, in a personal intimate relationship, you have influence at best when it comes to love. When it comes from parents and things like that, love can take many forms and you might feel like you're loving someone when in truth you are pushing someone further away from you because your need for love is not their need for love. So little ways to start unraveling this stuff. And with my clients and my students, I go deeper into all of this because 
every single action that we take comes back to getting one of these needs met. And there's two other needs. I'm not going to talk about them just yet. But if you're not getting these first four needs met at a high level, then you're not going to be able to grow and you're not going to be able to contribute, which is going to cause suffering in your life. When I started to learn these things, Steve, this is what helped me really unravel um, my old bad patterning in my intimate relationships. But in truth, it allowed me to meet my students who are having a difficult time in the gym, get better almost instantaneously because they would come in and we could start to talk about like, okay, why are you doing this? And then what need is exercise fulfilling for you? Right. And when they started to connect, Oh, well, I, I feel better in my body. That makes me feel significant. It gives me certainty when I go to the gym, a little uncertainty because I never know who's going to be there and I get connection. You get your four needs met at a very high level. You're going to be almost addicted to that. And the truth is, the truth is, it's trading a good addiction or trading a bad addiction for a good addiction because mm. everything we do is based on habits. Okay. And those habits are on loops. They are patterns. It is not conscious thought that happens. And so unless you become conscious of the actions that you're taking, you'll always continue, continue to perpetuate bad patterning unless you make a decision that you're ready to change and get to a new pattern and then that new pattern you're going to have to then meet your needs in a better way to stay in that new pattern and get rid of the old pattern and then this is what leads to the growth and eventually to the contribution yeah because so growth like Mm -hmm. it's literally we're either growing or dying right like like a shark exactly literally (laughs) and ways to grow you you can grow physically you can grow emotionally spiritually there's many many ways to grow grow in your relationship let me me ask you one question here sure uh with what i do and what you do at least to some degree and this may not be the word that you or i would choose sure uh, we have to lead by example we're essentially role models to the people that we try to inspire right correct um, so there has to be there has to be some level of technical expertise. So nobody's gonna come to me for me to do their math if I don't know how to do the math. Correct. But that's almost a given, right? Uh-huh. Nobody's gonna come to you to, to to train them if you don't know how to work uh, the kettlebells and the you know, other equipment you have in your gym. Uh-huh. Um, but if we subtract the technical, uh-huh. if we subtract out the technical, pretty much everything else is motivation. And and I think what you're saying, which I agree with, is in order to in order to most effectively motivate, we need to understand where the person is, where the individual Correct. is, and, and not as a psychotherapist, but, but at least as a person to try to help someone, maybe to understand what got them to that point. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm usually dealing with younger kids who just don't have as much baggage built up because they're 15 <laughs> and 10. Yep. But, you yep. know, when you got a 45-whatever-year-old, you got a lot, like me, <laughs> you got a lot longer yep. to build got up. got baggage, you know? right. Yeah, you got a lot more stuff that just builds up over time. Right. Um, so in, in your view, mm-hmm. how important is it that people know or, or, or maybe even care that, that we've been where they want to be or, or we've been where they are so we can kind of show them, we can kind of hold their hands figuratively and kind of bring them through. So, you know, I haven't been in high school in 30 plus years, mm-hmm. but I work with a lot of high school and middle school kids. And I, sometimes I have to work at their level and understand them at their level. And not sometimes, almost all the time. Yeah. I, I can kind of guide them through that path, at least academically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I think this is a lot of what, what you're, you're kind of talking about, um, but, but from the perspective of the person who would come to me or come to you, uh-huh. how, how do they, what's their expectation? Or what, what do you believe? There? I think I know it is in my caseload, but what do you think their expectation is? Because you, you can't hit, this is a lot of heavy stuff that we've talked about, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Valuable, super valuable, but maybe it takes a little time to digest. So the first time somebody walks into my office or I'm working in a consultation or whatever with somebody, or you have somebody in your gym, we, we can't get into, well, you got six levels of meat, you got to have a big line. No, no, right, right, right. Right, there's, there's sort of a, 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 a continuum that they're going to work through Correct. to get to this point of clarity. Um, and so let's bring it around to the B-A-D-A-S-S, right? Uh-huh. That's kind of your uh, tagline, maybe, yeah. or your acronym. This, this is how you want people to behave, right? So give me what well, they, or at least, at least model themselves, right? Okay, so. Tell me about it. So the, tell, tell, what, tell everybody about it. Sure, absolutely. Um, B, is, B is for. <laughs> well, okay, so let me tie in that. We didn't talk about the sixth need, but let me tie that in. The sixth need is contribution, so being able to serve other people. And this is where the, the B-A-D-A-S-S comes in for me. And, okay. and so you said something earlier, and I want to hit on that, but it's you and I cannot motivate somebody. We can ask the right questions. We can provide the path. But the motivation comes from within. And the motivation comes from the why, right? That's what gives you that energy to continue to move forward. What we do. That's the fuel. Yeah, yeah, that's the fuel. So the thing is wanting to change. So so, so when somebody comes in, yeah, I don't don't necessarily like, I'm not going to sit down and psychoanalyze them. The truth is I just want to get to know them. Why are you here? What, What brought you into my space or why did you go to my website or you drove by my facility and then you decided you wanted to stop in one day that that the motivation that brought them to that place is usually I just want to feel better or I'm tired of feeling like crap whatever it might be um, how do I get them started well I ask them like what is it that you're looking for what would you be what's your goal what are your and that's that kind of starts the conversation and unravels these things mm-hmm. In order for somebody to move forward for me, with me, it's probably the hardest question I ask them. But once I have an understanding of what I believe their goal is and why they want to achieve that goal, I'll simply ask them, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most committed, 1 being the least, how committed are you to reaching this goal? Honestly. No, it's how strong are they willing to make it. As Tony Robbins would say, they have to decide because that leaves no option to turn back. Exactly. And if somebody's at a six or seven or an eight, there's two or three things that are holding them back from making a decision and actually sticking to it. So, so the cool thing is that's there. That shows us now where the work needs to be done. Right. So instead of somebody just coming into my gym, Oh, you just want to lose 20 pounds. Great. Uh, my package is X amount per month and you can start on Monday. You know, that's very sort of dismissive, and I don't believe it actually meets the person where they're at. Because, yeah, sure, the 20 pounds is like they think that's what they want, but what's behind that, right? And then when we dig into that and their true motivation, then then that's what starts to help that 6, 7, or 8 get to a 9 or a 10. Because then I'll ask somebody, okay, you're at a 6 or a 7 or 8. What do you feel has to happen for you to get to a 9 or a 10? 
and they'll immediately tell me, well, you know, I need like, I, I don't know what to eat or I, fe I have fear, uh, you know, in a group class setting because I, I, everybody's going to be doing more than me and I'm going to look stupid, um, you know, on that level. Okay, wonderful. And then I can work with them, meet them where they're at. And okay, so Mrs. Jones came in and she was in a similar place and here's her testimonial. Right. So I have stories of people that have worked with me that have been in similar places that have worked through it. And when I can help bridge that gap for these people, and I shouldn't say when I can help, I don't like that word. I, I don't help people. I serve people. And that service, if they want more of it, they come back for it. But to me, saying that I help somebody makes me feel like I place myself above you. Like I have an answer that you don't have and you're coming to me to get it. And that's not the true. All the answers are there inside of you already. It's my job to serve you and bring them out of you. And that's where this work comes in, Steve. And so that's what leads me to this B-A-D-A-S-S -S concept. For those that, it's, it's badass. And here's what that means. So B stands for brave. A stands for authentic. D stands for determined. A stands for assertive. S stands for selfless, S stands for strong. Long story short, if you wanna change, that is brave. In order to do that, you're going to have to be authentic and real with yourself in order to remain determined when times get hard. That's the bad, right? That's the first part. Mm -hmm. the, the, the second part of this is now that you have started to work through and you've remained determined, that gives you the assertiveness to be selfless as you go through this process because nobody who's selfish will complete this process. And through turn, through in turn becoming a selfless person, you're going to show others how to do this and live their lives strong because you're strong. So you coming into my space and working on yourself is going to allow you to go out into the world, into your space and literally help others be badass through your actions because you will inspire them right that's the idea is that when people come in and they work on themselves and they work through these kinds of things that i've been talking about like all the pain that i went through steve i'm sure if we sat down you have some things in your background that you know cause you pain you know working through that and and then like you said you and i are role models role models like in order to turn that around to turn our pain into gain for others, that's badass to me. And that's what I want people to aspire to when they come into my gym. I want them to feel as like, do you want to feel like that what you're doing is inspiring and helping others? And the truth is everybody wants that. They might not admit it, but especially adults. And this is why my business is mostly adults because after high school, after college, we stop doing a lot of the thing like, you're not in sports, you're not in those groups, you're not in social clubs. You don't get as much connection with people your age. It's like you deal with kids or the people at work. Well, where does an adult go to like feel like they're a part of something that they enjoy doing as well? Well, that's what I want my gym to be. I want them to come here. I want them to feel safe. In fact, one of the best compliments I've ever had about my gym, I had a 70 something year old woman, I'm not gonna say her age, come into my gym and she's been coming for a while and she said you know john this is the first gym 
And keep in mind, 70-something, which means she's been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is the first gym mm-hmm. that I've come into where I didn't feel like I had to wear makeup, do my hair, wear tight clothes, put on spandex, or whatever. I feel like I can actually just be myself here and actually get better. It's the greatest gift she could ever give me. My, my gym is a concrete building and not a lot of equipment, not a lot of frills, not a lot of stuff because I removed the distraction in order to get to the real work. Some people like that. Some people want to go to the country club place or with the place with all the amenities or they have kids or whatever. I get that. I totally get that. And that's great. The truth is, the re- because there are those options, it means that I'm going to continue to stay in business because people want to be healthy. It's just at what level of engagement do you actually want? And my business is a coaching-driven business. It means that you're not going to come in and rent equipment from me. It means you're going to come in and you're going to rent my expertise, right? The education, mm-hmm. all of the things that I've learned myself and experienced on myself and now have the empirical evidence of hundreds of other testimonials with others, I can prove that my system time and time again can get the results that you want if we're willing and able to do the work. So it's not a matter of if, it's just when you make the decision and you're ready to hop in, yeah, you're going to get your results. It's almost automatic. But the problem is and the issue is with most people getting right to that edge and then jumping in. And that's where all of this sort of mindset um, understanding the why, um, all of that stuff comes in. But um, to tie it all up here, like, mm-hmm. you know, to be a badass, you just have to work on yourself and show others how to do it. And that to me is truly badass. Um, not the guy on the motorcycle who's got a leather jacket, you know, um, that's, that's kind of like what people think. But in truth, it's the person that goes out that knows it's going to be hard that's going to do it anyway because it's going to lead to a better future for them and the people around them. And that's huge to me. Um, The truth is, Steve, we're in a time where it's painful for people. There's a lot of, well, okay, I talked about suicide. There's a lot of young kids suicide, old people suicide. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of uneasiness. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of distraction. So how do you, through all of that, still move forward, still be a positive asset to society and help people or serve people, whatever your word is for that, and make sure that you're not a detriment and a liability. That's my message. I want to make sure that people are not liabilities. People are going out and serving other people because when we do that, when we take the focus off of ourselves and we put it onto other people, that's how real change, number one, starts but can actually last in my mind Um, because if we're all in pain and hurting and focusing on ourselves we're not going to be able to show up in the way that we need to to serve other people so that's sort of my message wrapped up listen it's awesome stuff i i find it inspirational i know it's it's a lot to digest it's maybe more than some people want to kind of analyze on a short term but it is um, so listen let's do this um Yep. How do people get a hold of you? How can they get your book? 
Sure. Uh, you know, let's let's plug that right now. I, and let me go on record as saying this is the second best book ever published to, <laughs> behind my book. Of course. <laughs> Max of course. Education, but um, but that's way way up there because you know you got like yeah, Hemingway and all those people. But uh, yeah, yeah, so we're we're in a very very elite club here. <laughs> um, anyway, so how, how do they get a hold of you? How do they get your book? Do you want to plug your social? Yeah, your website. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Take, so take thirty seconds here. Absolutely. Um, so. You can find me at www.bareknucklestrength.com, B-A-I-R-K-N-U-C-K-L-E-S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H.com. And my book, bareknucklestrength.com backslash rise, R-I-S-E. There's a page there. So the great thing is you can get a copy, the digital, you can get it for free. If you want, I've also made an audio and a paperback that you can purchase as well. And if you're local, you're more than welcome to stop in and pick it up. Plus, I'm on Facebook as John Bear, my name, J-O-H-N-B-A-I-R. On Instagram, John, J-O-H-N, period, Bear, B-A-I-R, um, and all the other ones. But if you go to those two, you'll be able to find me from there. Um, but, yeah. If somebody uh, wants to come in your gym and, and take a class. They've oh, Okay, so actually, and I didn't tell you this because I didn't want to, but I'm going to offer anybody who listens to this and brings it to me two free weeks in my gym. So that's how they can get started. That's awesome offer. John's in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania. So if you're breaking distance, take advantage of it. Uh, listen, I hope my goal with this podcast always is to give parents and students actions, actionable items they can do right away to improve their educational experience, to maximize their education. Uh, I think John gave us some really interesting perspectives, uh, positive and negative, let's be candid. Um, but, but I think the big message here is, you, is the why. What's your goal? Why do you want that goal? And what are you going to do to get there? And what are you going to do to make it stick? So I'm going to wrap this up here. Dr. Stephen Green, the success doctor. I appreciate, I thank everybody who is listening to the podcast, who's subscribing, who's sharing. I would like to think the more people that have access to this, the more successful students we're going to create in this world. I'm on all the social at Make the Grade, Facebook, uh, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. I'm also launching or have launched a community, which is on Facebook, the Make the Grade Maximum Education community, free. Please join, please engage, please take advantage of it. Um, that's about it. Anybody who has any questions, comments, feedback, hit us up on social uh, or email me, S-G-R-E-E-N-E at makethegrade.net. And I will see you and everybody else at the next episode. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.